You're listening to the Creekside Church Sunday morning message. Stay tuned for a sermon from Pastor George. Morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? So grateful and thankful that you guys uh, decided to join us today uh, for second service. Uh, just for my own uh, pure whatever, I'm intrigued. How many of you guys have already eaten breakfast? See, that's why you're the breakfast club. That's why you come at 1030. Um, so we're going to get right into it today. Uh, what I would like to do is I want to help every single one of us identify the important role that community plays. Um, also, the subtle ways that you and I can possibly sabotage it. Because uh, when it comes to loving our church the way God intended, intended for us to love uh, the church, there are ways that we kind of mess it up. But before we get into that, I want to ask, uh, if you wore your shirt, how many of you guys wore your shirt? Raise your hand today. Yes. Uh, how many of you guys did not get a shirt yet? Uh, it's because you weren't here last week or first service. But we again ran out of shirts. So we're going to have to get some more for next week. Uh, but for those who wore the shirt, thank you for wearing it because the whole purpose of uh, making these shirts to give to you, uh, to provide you with, was so you can wear it not just throughout the week, but you can wear it on Sunday as well as we go through this series. Um, speaking of that, uh, you know, I, last week I asked people, hey, if you wear your shirt throughout the week, take a picture of yourself or with somebody and then email it to us, either, either at admin at creekside.org or monique at creekside.org or any of the staff's first name at creekside.org and uh, send us a pic of you wearing your shirt and where you were wearing it. Uh, we got one. <laughs> we got one shirt. And uh, this is who it is. Kelly was watching with us online. Now, let me just clue you in and give you some context. She lives in Florida. <laughs> so it would be nice if somebody who actually lived in our communities surrounding this church would represent their church. All you guys with 49er jerseys on. Are you saying 49ers is more important than Jesus? No, you're, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're here. So encourage you, wear your shirt out in public. Wear your shirt because I encouraged you last week to wear them, and I challenge you to pray. Pray that God would give you opportunities to connect with people and talk to people uh, about what God is doing all up in this place. Um, and again, email. Email us pictures. Text us pictures if you got, we want to see you guys out there wearing your shirts. So today we're talking about fences. How many of you guys have a fence around your house? A lot of us do. They come, the fences, they come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? You got small fences, tall fences, short fences. Uh, you have fences that are built like massively, like a fortress. That's an office? like a fortress, like that. Fences are everywhere. Some are transparent. Oh, that's why that office was there. 
in every single case, in every uh, instance of those, the pictures that we saw of fences, what are fences designed to do? Keep people out. Maybe keep the dog in. I think it's both of those things, right? Now, the house that my wife and I live in currently, and most of the homes that we've had over our marriage, or since we've been married, even growing up, every single house that we've occupied, lived in, or whatever, has always had a fence that goes around the perimeter of the house. Now, the front yard... It's something that, if you know me, I put a lot of time into. I actually enjoy yard work, and I know that's rare. How many of you guys enjoy yard work? Some of you won't want to raise your hand because now your wife's going to be elbowing you, saying, then why don't you ever do it? I really love yard work. The front yard is, at my house is always kept really nice. And... Um, you know, I, I try to keep the grass always green. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know what this is that I'm about to name drop, but my Westringia is like symmetrically trimmed. You guys know what that is? And it, I mean, it's on point, sharp edges. I, I got the, <laughs> I, I say our house is, uh, you know, the, what do you call it? Why can't I think of the word? It's, um, no, hold on, guys. It's not stuccoed. Siding. I got so many words that I say on Sunday. And <laughs> the siding is, uh, I call it motor, mobile home siding. Because the people who lived there before we bought it as a foreclosure, uh, a, a Sears rep probably came through and said, hey, let's put some siding on it. But all that to say this, I, the Westringia, I line it up with one of the panels on the siding. <laughs> and I step back to the curb. And I just make sure it's, it's even straight across because it's about a 25-foot run. And uh, I dial that sucker in, man. I lock its edges. So um, my front yard is, you know, as, as good as it can be. And I work really hard at making my front yard look like something that, you know, you would find on a landscape magazine or a realtor's brochure or something like that or, or you know, a, a monthly garden, gardening magazine. I put a lot of pride and a lot of effort into my front yard. Th this is what my front yard is. On the other side of the fence, though, and you may be able to relate to this, it's slightly different. The weeds get whacked, not as often as they should, because we raise free-range goats in our backyard. <laughs> Just kidding. All of our unwanted junk is piled on the side yard behind my backyard fence. We used to have a glass picnic table for a long time. Sat out there for years until I finally got rid of it. There's a scrap pile. There's even travel trailer parts piled up in my side yard. All behind my backyard fence. All in the back. The barbecue that we use on occasion is next to some other stuff that somebody gave us. You know, our little cement patios completely crammed with a lot of stuff. But there's a table back there, so we'd cook and have meals back there sometimes. My wife and I would sit back there. We also have a dog, a small, old, senile, toothless dog <laughs> who treats our backyard as his personal huge bathroom. <laughs> so you can imagine... 
that when you go into our backyard behind our fence, you are going to have to watch where you step. This is our backyard. So you see the contrast between my front yard and our backyard. The fence is a separation between these two spaces. It was the barrier, it's a barrier between the front, you know, the front yard where everybody's allowed, right? Everybody's welcome. They're allowed to see it. And then our backyard is, our backyard is where we live. This morning, we're going to continue our series about loving the church the way God intended for us to love it. And this concept is going to play a big part in what we'll see today is one of God's plans for the church, that you and I would live connected lives, connected lives. God wants us to live connected to Him, and God wants us to live connected to one another. God wants us to know true community. And, and, and what do fences have to do with that? And that's a fair question. What do fences have to do with God's idea of how we should live in community? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what I like to do. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Or if you have your Bible on your digital device, click on Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19. Uh, it says this, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences, a conscious, I can't, why do I get hung up? Yeah, that word that you read up there. Let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trust in Him. For our guilty have been, I'm just seeing if you guys are paying attention. See, I, I, I pretend, have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, watch this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Now, before I unpack this, I want to go back to our fence illustration. And I'll, here's what I want to do. I want all of us to picture our lives as a yard. Okay? And if, a, if, if we're being honest today, I think a lot of us, we would admit that we like fences. If we're being honest, we admit that we like a good fence. What we are comfortable with showing people and letting people know about us, uh, we're going to call that our front yard, right? Everything that we're like, it's cool, you know that about me. What I want you to see, how I want you to see it, that's going to be our front yard. All of the unwanted junk, you know, on the other side of the fence, that's slightly different. 
the, the, you know, the glass table, the scrap pile, the trailer parts. That's going to be our backyard. The front yard, we try keeping it pristine. The front lawn's green. It's well watered, nicely manicured, beautiful grass, a nice welcoming mat to the front door. You know, and, it, and it's really only for decorative purposes. We want people to feel like we got our stuff together. That's what the front yard is. That's what we want to show for. But the backyard, that's going to be different. The backyard, you know, that's the real us. The backyard is the true us. The backyard is, and we know this, the backyard is by invite only, isn't it? In fact, I'm, I'm going to, you know, what, we, what do we do? We build a fence because I'm not sure I really want you to know the real me. So we build a fence. We build a fence because I'm not sure that I want you to really know what's going on with me. Front yard, cool. Backyard, eh, not so much. I don't want you to see the parts of my life that aren't too pristine. I, I, I don't want you to step in the dog piles of my life. I'm not sure if we can, you know, share a meal together because that's, I'm, I'm exposing too much of, of the real me. See, the backyard is private. The backyard is the real me. Everything in the front yard is perfectly presented, but in the back of the house, behind this fence, I think that's where the true us resides. This is the yard of our lives, which sounds like a lame soap opera. But here's the deal about fences. God is not a fan of fences. God isn't a fan of fences. Now, okay, I mean, I don't think he actually has a legitimate problem with fences, so you don't need to run home and start tearing down your fences. But as far as being in a relationship with him and being in community with each other, I, here's what I do believe. I think God wants us to rethink our fences. Rethink them. If we intend to love the church the way God wants us to, then we have to do three things. I'm going to give you three things right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. We have to know that Jesus, first and foremost, was the ultimate fence crasher. Jesus crashed the fence first. Before we even talk about the fence that we put up and build between others, the, 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 the walls that we build between one another, we have to realize that there was a real barrier that existed between you, me, and God. And the first part of our Hebrew, uh, uh, the passage in Hebrews, it tells us, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into it, right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. See, the author of Hebrews, he's talking about or they're talking about. We don't know exactly who the author of Hebrews is for all you Bible scholars. 
They're talking about the fact that because of Jesus, we now have a way back to God because of Christ's work on the cross. And if you're familiar with any Old Testament history, you know it's referring to when the the high priest had to go into the most holy of holies at a certain time. And if you've been around and you've been part of Sunday school, they had to tie a rope around this guy before they went in. Because if they were, you know, if there was any issues in the presence of God, this guy would die. They had bells on the rope or on his robe and everything. And if he died, they'd have to pull him out by the rope because nobody else wanted to go in there. It was a big deal. And it was only reserved for the high priest. And, and the writer of Hebrews is letting us know, going, hey, listen, Jesus is now our high priest. He crashed the fence. Jesus literally obliterated the fence between God and us. And because Jesus is our high priest and has crashed the fence, the veil, the veil that separated us from God has been torn down and we can confidently go into God's presence. Crashing the fence is as easy as admitting that we need Jesus. We can't achieve this on our own. No amount of good works, no amount of generosity, no amount of prayer, no amount of Bible knowledge, no amount of any, no amount, amount of how many times you showed up to church. We can't achieve this on our own. We'll never make it into His presence with the fence separating us from God. Now, for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to rattle off some uh, scripture in Romans that are going to support this, and I'm paraphrasing them uh, with the the picture or idea of a fence. Romans 3.23 says we all have a giant fence. And you can read these on your own if you write them down. Romans 6.23, because of that fence, we'll never get to God. Romans 5.8, God knew that we'd have a big fence before we even had a yard. Romans 10.9-10, if we just admit that we have a fence and we need it torn down, guess what? Jesus will crash the fence. Romans 10.13 Jesus never denies a fence-crashing job, ever. Because here's what I know to be true. We are born building fences. We have spent our entire life mastering the art of building fences. Walls, structures, designed to do what? To hide behind. Maybe to protect ourselves. Maybe to confine who we really are. But they all keep us separated from God. Another thing I know to be true is that every single one of us, we're born into sin. And really, if you think about it, that is the first fence that we build. Which keeps us from true community with God, with Him. And it's only when we admit our failing and we realize and accept that Jesus on the cross has crashed the fence of our sin. And only because of that can we have relationship with God and we can truly be in community, authentic community with Him. My question is, is have you ever drawn near 
to God? Do you know him intimately? Have you ever acknowledged what Jesus has done on the cross and allowed him into your life? Not just your front yard. Not just your church identity that you want people to see. But also your backyard. Friends, we have to realize that the barrier between you and Jesus has been crashed by him on the cross. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't, surrender your life completely to him. Just don't know about him. Know him. Surrender your life to him. Draw near to him in relationship, close to him in community. Jesus crashed the fence first. The second thing is, we have to allow others to crash our yard. Walk with me here for a second. Say, we, we come to this building, most of us on a regular basis. We sing the songs, and some of us even engage, you know, in activities with our children, serving in there, and sometimes we eat together, and, and we smile at one another, and we say, hey, good morning, good to see you. But you know what we do? We do that all, we do it all from behind a fence. You might be thinking, but I thought you just said that Jesus crashed a fence. He did. Jesus did crash a fence. He did for every single one of us. Jesus broken down the fence and made a way possible, uh, made a way uh, possible for us to be with God. But how does that and how should that impact us as people? And when I talk about people, I'm talking plural, you know, community. That's what I'm talking about. How does that affect us as a community? Imagine all of mankind standing before a fence of sin and it just comes tumbling down when Jesus shows up on the scene. When Jesus dies on the cross. So you know what happens? So when I, when I draw near to God to become His follower, there's not a fence there anymore. And when you draw near, when you draw near to God and become uh, a follower of Jesus, there's not a fence there anymore either, which means there's no fence in existence or should be in existence in the community of God. There shouldn't be any fences. There shouldn't be a, here's the church me, here's the school me, here's the work me, here's the construction me, here's the refinery me, here's me with my kids. Here's me at the Raiders game. There should be no fences. There shouldn't be. But what we do is, what do we do in, in our imperfect, broken state? We, we start taking planks, right? We start taking wood and we start building up a fence between ourselves and other people. Even through Jesus, even though Jesus has crashed our fence, we still want people to see only the pretty side of our lives. We only want people to see the pretty parts of our yard. Even though Jesus has already broken down the fence. See, we don't want them to see our laundry, clean or dirty, hanging on the clothesline in our backyard. So what do we do? We keep building those walls. Keep building those walls. We keep, you know, very careful tabs on what part of our estate 
people are allowed to walk on. So you and I, we are amazing at building fences. Yet don't forget what we said last week. If you are going to truly experience loving our church, that means intentionally loving our church. It's not about loving this building, loving the parking lot, loving the playground. It's not about loving the programs that we offer. It's not about that. If we intentionally love our church, that means loving each other. And loving each other is impossible to do from behind a fence. So what do we do? What do we do with the fences all of us have built up, including myself. What do we do with it? It's hard to truly know how to love each other when we, have, when we live behind a fence, but thank goodness the author of Hebrews gives us a perfect prescription to this problem. They said this, And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect, let us not forsake, let us not forget to be around and to gather together. It's one of our core values, our mission statement, to gather together unto Christ and one another. It's a passage that preachers have used over the years to, you know, more more than likely guilt people into not missing a Sunday. But in reality, the author was talking about something way bigger than Sunday morning. Sunday, yes, that's included, but also something more than Sunday. He's talking about an everyday getting together. He's talking about life together. They're talking about living in community. Community. I mean, community means that we don't build fences. Community means we head below the surface. I mean, I just thought of an illustration. Not a fancy illustration. My brother-in-law was telling, he lived in uh, Illinois. And he says, the one, I was talking to him a, a few years ago, and he said, one of the things I really miss about living there, nobody had backyard fences. Everybody had this one big open space behind all their yards, and it, it was awesome because they got to know people. Community means that we don't build fences. Community means that we head below the surface. Community means authenticity, being real, not having to be Right? the sharing of ourselves with others, a deeper relationship than we can have sitting in our chairs or at our table. More than just having me speak to you or somebody else speak to you. Community means standing in someone's yard and allowing someone to stand in my yard. Both of our dirty, stinky, unkept yards with all the junk strewn everywhere and weeds not whacked and the shed that uh, desperately needs painting. Come and join me in my yard. You guys remember a television show called Home Improvement with Tim the tailor or Tim Taylor the tool guy? Nobody grunted? Last service we had somebody grunt. Tim's family had a next-door neighbor named what? Wilson. Nearly the entire series, this is all we ever saw of this dude. Does that ring a bell? 
The Taylors lived next door to Wilson's, uh, the Wilsons for, for this guy for years. Years they lived next door to him, yet they never saw his face. This is all they ever saw. I think it's, sometimes it's like that with church people. We sit in the pews with people. We sit in our chairs with people. We sit at tables with people. We serve on teams together. We may even enjoy a Bible study with one another, but we never see someone's entire face. We only get a glimpse. We only get a glimpse of the real them from behind our fence. I mean, you got, you know, Bob Smith standing on the other side of this fence. Maybe we see his face, maybe we don't. It doesn't matter at the end of the day because why? There's still a fence between us. There's still a fence there. And when that fence is there, you know what happens? You can't, you cannot embrace, you know, the family through a tragedy. You can't really see what's happening over there on the other side when their, you know, their spouse and them are going through a difficult time. Fences, they impede our community. And we have to crash. We have to break down. We have to bust through the yard to really, truly, fully know someone. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So my question is this. Whose yard are you in? Better yet, who are you allowing into your yard? Maybe this takes you know, place through you, know, you serving on, on Team Creekside in some capacity, whether it's guest service, hospitality, uh, uh, why can I think, guest central. Uh, maybe it happens through some of the Creekside small groups which you, some, many of you are going to go connect with right after service. Uh, maybe, maybe it's going to happen right after second service when you jump into growth track step one. Maybe you're, maybe you're a part of our kids' ministry or our student ministries, or possibly you've just allowed a few people to see past your fence. Maybe it's through you know, something that isn't a, necessarily a formalized you know, ministry of our church. Friends, if we're truly going to experience not only the church, but also life as God intended it, then we can't live behind a fence. To, you know, to truly love our church, guess what? You have to love someone in our church. This doesn't mean that everyone transforms into you know, super uh, extroverts, super relational butterflies or whatever what it means is that you and i do not live in isolation we don't live in isolation community is standing in someone's yard it means you stand in someone's yard and you allow people to stand in your yard and when that happens then you do the third thing You enjoy the community. 
you enjoy the company. I mean, walk with me here for a second. Can you imagine going to a birthday party? Being a kid and going to a birthday party where the host didn't plan anything. I mean, there might be a bag of plain potato chips, you know, sitting on the table next to a week-old Kool-Aid. But there's no games, there's no cake, there's no candles, there's no dessert, there's no face painting, no pin the tail on the donkey. Nothing. That would be one dull and boring party, wouldn't it? And if you, if you attended said party, and after you left, what would you probably think? Well, that was lame. They didn't even try. There was no effort put into that. They just phoned it in. Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways. Some translations use the word, let us consider. Same meaning. Think of ways, consider. It all means to contemplate. It all means to think about. It all means to strategize, to plan. Think of it as a planning for a successful birthday party. Living life in one another's yard without fences is, not, is going to take not only intentionality, but it's going to take a plan. It's going to take a strategy. Community is finding ways to encourage one another to love and good deeds beyond church programming, beyond you know, the message, beyond the temperature of this room. It goes beyond. It's seen beyond the walls and the fences that, we built, that we've built up and offering to help paint the shed or pull the weeds or, you know, watch someone's child. It's intentional. It's bringing a meal to those in time, who, who, bringing a meal to those who are in need. It's having those go-to phone numbers in your cell phone so when you break down on Highway 4, it's just, you know, one button you push and you're calling someone who's going to be there for you. It's knowing who to call when you want to go on a double date because you're in the dating phase of your life and you want to honor God with your relationship with your boyfriend and girlfriend. So you're calling people up going, hey, will you go out with us because we want to be intentional with keeping the same pure and we don't want to put ourselves in a compromising position that dishonors God. It's inviting someone over for dinner and my wife's and I answer is yes, we'll join you because we like to eat. It's teaming up with somebody when, when we have a church service project and we're working alongside each other. Like Trunk or Treat. we got Trunk or Treat coming up at the end of October. Because here's two things that I know that keep people engaged in the life of the church. And I say it all the time. You ready, Michelle? Relationship and serving. And sometimes those work together. Sometimes, sometimes one helps grow the other. Meaningful relationships. And there's no better way to serve than with, pe- than with people you really like. People you have a relationship with. And it helps you to learn how to enjoy one another. And helping one another enjoy serving Jesus in this time that we have left according to the writer of Hebrews. Because young people, here's the deal. 
you think that you are going to live to 100. I know because I was there. And that, you know, it's going to be forever until you have to contemplate this. But you know what happened? When I was your age, I blinked. And then I suddenly realized I have more behind me than I have ahead of me. And I know a lot of you in this room feel the same way. And this time that God's given us to be in real relationship with one another and to serve His kingdom is not something we should take for granted or go, hey, you know what? Pastor George will take care of it. That's what we pay him for, right? No. To teach and equip the saints to do the good work. At least that's what the Apostle Paul tells me to do in Ephesians. I'm in it with you. And a lot of you, I've got to really know you because I've served alongside of you. We don't have a whole lot of time. And the thing is, all of these things that I talked about, they don't happen automatically. You just don't accept Jesus and everything goes, whoa, okay, I'm going I'm to work everything out. It's going to be easy. No, they don't happen automatically. They happen when we consider, when we think about how to make them happen. And I want to suggest some points of strategy for all of us in this church family today. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Here's the first one. Have a healthy expectation. When it comes to these things, have a healthy expectation. An unhealthy expectation is that we'll all know everyone right away on a deep level. That every single person will be our best friend and we're going to be best friends with everybody in this room. That is not realistic. A healthy expectation is that I can build some great connections throughout the family, throughout this community. I can build some great relationships with some, and I can build some really deep relationships with a few. And these will all take time, but you've got to have a healthy goal in mind. The second thing we have to realize is take baby steps. Take baby steps. And I want to be clear on something. Living without fences does not mean that you're going to let every single person into the more personal parts of your life the first day that you meet them. That's not the goal in any sense. That's not what I'm trying to say. At first, we'll be hanging out in the front yard with people, and then what do we do? We invite them into the living room, right? And when we get comfortable with them there, then we're going to invite them out to the backyard, maybe to have a meal or just hang out and talk. It's going to take time, and that is okay. You're not going to let everybody in. But you need to work towards letting somebody in. The third thing is take some ownership. Whenever somebody comes to me and says, Hey, Pastor, great church, I love it, but you know what? I'm not really feeling connected with anybody because I'm not greeted when I come on campus. You know, I, I sit in the same chair. Um, nobody comes up and says hi to me. And, you know, I just, I, I just don't feel like I'm making friends. My next question is, is how much effort have you put into that? Well, no, no I can't. I'm an introvert. I can't do that. Take ownership. Realize 
This is everyone's job, not everyone else's job. You with me? We all need to work at it. If you're sitting down waiting for everyone to come to you, to introduce themselves to you, you are probably sitting in the wrong seat. It's everyone's job. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we close. Here's a question I want to ask you. It's a scale question. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, I got two questions for you. Actually, one question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the Good job, Nathan. (laughs) He's like, highest? How much effort are you putting into connecting with others? Think about that on a scale of 1 to 10. If we're being honest, some of us are going, you know what? I'm like a 1 to maybe a strong 2. Others, you know who you are. You're like, dude, I'm 10. Matter of fact, I'm turning that knob up to 11. I'm a personal bubble crasher. How, what, where are you on that scale? How much effort are you, put, are you putting in to connecting with other people that God's placed you around? And once you determine that number, what would you need to do to raise your number by one or two levels this week? Or in the next few weeks? What do you need to do to raise your number? How can you go from a 5 to a 7? How can you, how can you go from a, uh, an 8 to a 10? In the next few weeks, I'm not talking about like go out there now and start introducing yourself to everyone, inviting them into your backyard. See, as we leave this morning, I want to be intentional, and we need to be intentional, church, in growing to love our church, knowing and having full confidence and the boldness that Jesus already crashed the fence. Allow someone into your yard this week and then enjoy the company. Enjoy it. Start considering how you can be connected with others for encouragement and growth. Don't walk this out isolated and alone. Stop building up fences. Start taking them down. And to help you do that, we got a very specific application for you today. told you this series is going to be full of surprises. Creekside Church is investing And I want to help you in your first step in being connected with other people that you may not know. Or I want to help you strengthen some relationships with people that you already know. We have for each of you, right after service, you can go out that door. Each of you, we have root beer floats. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time over a root beer float to connect with somebody to connect with somebody new, get to know someone new, maybe catch up with somebody that you already know, check in with them, see how their week's going. Make plans. Here's something scary for us introverts. Make plans to connect with somebody in the next week or two. Get them digits in a strictly plutonic way. And say, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text you or call you. We're going to go grab lunch or coffee. Connect with somebody. 
Make plans to connect. It's a lot easier doing this over root beer floats. So let me pray for you this morning. We're going to close our time in worship. Father, uh, we understand the importance of community and we come before you with grateful hearts today. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for reminding us of the fences that we sometimes build in our lives and the importance of breaking them down to live a, tr- a righteous life in right relationship with you, Father, and in right relationship with those around us in true community. Lord, we recognize that Jesus has already broke through the ultimate fence between us and you through his sacrifice on the cross. And we are grateful for this access to your presence and the opportunity to draw near to you, to know you in an intimate way with sincere hearts. Father, help us to surrender our lives to Jesus completely. Not just our front yard, but also our backyard, Father. We surrender it all to you. We also acknowledge, Father, the fences we build between ourselves and others, often only allowing people to see the surface of our lives. Lord, give us the courage. Give us the boldness. Give us the confidence to allow others into our yards to share our own struggles and to share our joys and truly live an authentic community with those around us. May we be intentional in our efforts to connect with one another, to love and support one another, to acts of love and good deeds. Give us the ability, Father, to build deeper relationships, have healthy expectations, and take the steps necessary, even if they're baby steps, Father, to take ownership of our role in fostering community in our church. And as we leave this place this morning, may we take the initiative to connect with others. Get to know someone new. Maybe strengthen some relationships that we already have, Father. But Father, we pray that you bless our fellowship today as we enjoy root beer floats together. And may this time be a symbol of sweet community. A community that we can experience in your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And Creekside Church said? Amen.